Our scripture for this morning comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, that is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good, but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the praise and the worship. We thank you for being able to draw closer to you through worship. We ask now, O oh Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts and our minds what we need to hear from this word. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, whenever you hear those words, it means you forget. I mean, if somebody says remember, it means that at some point you forgot before. Because otherwise they wouldn't have to remind you, right? Because you would have remembered. But I think as we get older, we hear that word more and more. Remember this, remember that, remember that. And, you know, it gets to the point that we almost want to take out a little notepad and start taking notes because we know we're going to forget, right? And Paul knew that we have short memories. And so when he writes to Timothy, and he wants to make sure that Timothy pays attention to what he's saying, he goes, remember, remember, remember. He wants to make sure that at that point, Timothy pulls out his notepad and starts taking notes. He wants to make sure that he pays attention because what he's about to say is very important. And what is the first thing that he tells Timothy to remember? Jesus Christ. You would think, duh, how could you forget Jesus Christ? How could you forget that? That's like the basis of all of our faith, right? But he says, remember Jesus Christ. But then he qualifies how we are supposed to remember him. He says, remember him as raised from the dead. Remember him as raised from the dead. What was Paul saying? He was saying you need to remember Jesus as the one who defeated death. You can't just remember him as the one who died for you. You got to remember him as the one who died and was raised for you. You see, so many people leave Jesus on the cross. They leave him there. They understand the idea of the suffering servant. They understand the idea of the one who washes away their sin. 
but they can't understand that he also calls us to new life and to eternal glory. And that that is one of the best parts of the story. Why would you want to leave him up on the cross? Paul tells Timothy, remember Jesus Christ as raised from the dead and as a descendant of David. Why mention that part? Because he wanted everybody to remember that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise. God had told David, from your descendant, I will bring a Messiah, a Savior that will save the people. He wanted us to understand that Jesus was the answer to prayer of the people of Israel. Even those that did not recognize him as Messiah had been praying for a Messiah to come. Even those that rejected him did not realize that here was the answer that they had been longing for for so long. Jesus was the answer to the prayer for a Savior, and he was victorious over death. When we are able to remember who Jesus is and what he did for us, then and only then can we begin to seek to know who we are in Christ. You cannot begin with yourself. You know, that's the problem we have. Sometimes we want to begin with me, when it has to begin with Christ. And then when I understand who Christ is and what he did for me, then I can begin to understand who I am to be in Christ. Who is calling me to be and who has made me to be? For Paul, the question of who I am is answered plainly and straightforwardly. I am one who is willing to be chained and treated like a criminal for the sake of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For him, that was who he was, one who was willing to suffer hardship, one who was willing to be beaten, one who was willing to be chipwrecked, one who was willing to give it all and lay it all on the line for the sake of people knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection. He was like, if I do nothing else in my life, I want people to know Jesus Christ. I want them to know his salvation and his grace. And so for Paul, it was very important for Timothy to understand this as well. How far are you willing to go, my young son Timothy, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people that don't yet know it? How far are you willing to go to make sure that salvation reaches the ends of the earth, which is our call in the Great Commission? How far are you willing to go to proclaim this life-giving gospel of good news? Because when we have something good to share, we should be willing to shout it from the mountaintop. We should be willing to tell everybody we meet we should be willing to publicly and privately declare it as our faith. And Paul wanted Timothy to be bold in his proclamation of the gospel. This shows me that Paul really loved the people for whom Christ died, even those that were not of his own people. Because as you know, Paul went to the Gentiles 
as well as the Jews. He was frustrated by the Jews. Everywhere he went, the Jews turned him down, and then he went to the Gentiles and always said, I'm never going back to the Jews. And then in the next town, he went back to the Jews because they were his people. And when they rejected him, he'd go back to the Gentiles again. But you see, this shows me that Paul really loved the people that God had sent him to. He loved them like a parent loves a child. And that love is very special, isn't it? What will a parent do for the welfare of their children? Everything. What will they do to try to give their children the best they can give them? They'll work long hours. They'll stay up at night when they're sick. They will do everything that they can to help shape and mold them into the adults that they need to become. A parent will do, make sacrifices that put them through hardships and difficulties along the way. But at the end of the day, if you ask a parent if they would rather not have that child, they'll say, I would be willing to do it all over again because we love our children that much. I know it was hard. I know we went through some ups and downs, but I would still do it again because I love my children. Paul had ended up in prison and chains like a criminal because he would not compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would not stop sharing Jesus. And because of that, he had ended up in jail. And in a way, he was telling Timothy, if I had to do it over again, I would do it again. Even though I've had all the hardships that I've had, I would do it again because I draw strength from knowing that even though I am in chains, the word of God is not. And it is still running rampant out there because of the journeys that I've had in ministry. You know, Paul loved to hear from the churches because he always heard of good news, of things that were going on, even with all the bad news of the stuff that went wrong, there was always good news of the things that were going right. The faithfulness, the dedication of some of the believers in the churches, the generosity in supporting ministry, their willingness to support him even as he is in prison. All of these things gave joy to Paul in his imprisonment. When our children reach milestones, all the memories of hardship seem to fade away. When you watch them walk through the stage at graduation, when you hear about them getting their first job, when they get married or start a family, when they move into their own place, hallelujah, when they reach these milestones, the hardships and all the things that we suffer to get them there seem to fade away because we're rejoicing in where they have come to and what they have finally arrived at. And in a way, what Paul was saying to Timothy is, I rejoice even in the middle of these chains because I know the word of God has gone out to all of these people and they are learning and hearing about Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. 
and they are becoming saved in him through the word and the proclamation of Jesus. Paul really rejoiced when he heard of one more person just coming to Jesus. He just rejoiced and celebrated. In verses 11 through 13, Paul quotes something that is believed to be a hymn of the early church. And you know, I love our music today and our modern music and, and all the songs that we sing. But there is something about the depth of the hymns in Scripture, like this one, in terms of the theology and the reflection on what the church believed. I mean, if you take these verses and you look at them, notice that they really reflect on God and us and our relationship in a deep and theological way that tries to make clear where we stand in our faith. There's a conditional nature to these statements in the hymn. If you want to live with him, you have to die with him. Well, you know, we all want to live with Jesus. How many of us want to sign up for the death part? Ah, that one's hard, right? We want to enjoy the blessings, but how about the struggles? We want to enjoy the healing, but we don't want to endure the prayer for a long time. We want the benefits a lot of times of Jesus without the scars and the cross that gets us to the resurrection. If you want to reign with him, you have to endure. Well, nobody knew more about enduring than Paul. He didn't do it to reign, though. He did it because he wanted people to know Jesus. The promise of the, of the resurrection was already his. He already believed in Jesus as his personal savior. So he wasn't doing it to earn heaven. He was doing so more people would get there with him. And you see, that's the attitude we have to have. If we want to reign with him, we got to endure through all the difficulties and just keep pushing forward. We have a part to play, a role to fill. Accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior means completely surrendering ourselves to God and being willing to share the gospel even if it means suffering and hardship and difficulty. Personal sacrifice is part of the Christian life. If we are not making any personal sacrifice, we have to ask ourselves, are we really following in the footsteps of Jesus? Are we really following his example? And you might say, well, I don't have that much to do or share. Lies. God has blessed you with what you have, and what you have is yours to manage. And God expects you to share what you have with him and with his kingdom. It's an act of faith to tithe, to give your offering, to serve and volunteer. It means that I'm trusting God with everything else that I keep and that I know that God will never leave me orphaned, that he will make sure that I can make it. But it is difficult at times to deny ourselves 
and to let Jesus truly be Lord of our lives. But Paul says if we do this, we will experience an eternal weight of glory, something more wonderful than anything we could get in this life. Now, if we stop the hymn there, it would be great. All good news. A little bit of sacrifice. But there's a warning in this hymn. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And that sounds so harsh, doesn't it? If we deny him, he will deny us also. Now, this is very problematic to those that want to affirm God's love is so abundant that nobody can ever be condemned or ever be cast out. But if we do that, we forget that God is a just God, a God that cannot dwell with sin, a God that wants us to be holy as he is holy. And what Paul was saying, if you deny Jesus, you deny the truth, the way, and the life. And without knowing the way, by definition, you are lost. And without knowing the truth, by definition, you are deceived. And without knowing the life, you're walking in death. I mean, think about that. He's basically saying, if you deny him, he will deny you because you don't know him and he can't know you. And then he gives us another verse that kind of makes everything flop again in the air. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. And wrestling with verse 3 and verse 4 is important. Because verse 3 basically says, if you deny him, he'll deny you. And then verse 4 says, but he will not be faithless, even if we are faithless. So what does that mean? It means that when I give up on God, he still doesn't give up on me. It means when I walk away from God, he doesn't just say, see you later. He chases after me. It means that when I fall down, he doesn't just go, you messed up. He reaches down and tries to lift me up. It means that he continues to be faithful even when I am unfaithful to him. And that is good news because if it depended on my faithfulness, I'd be in a whole lot of trouble. Because we are so unfaithful. So many times we turn our back on God when God is reaching out to us and saying, let me help you. Let me be with you in this hardship. Let me be with you in this need. Let me be with you in this stage of your life. Let me be with you in this illness. And so many times we say, no, I, I got this myself. It's okay. I'll handle it when we would do so much better to allow him in to take care of us. The line reminds us that God's faithfulness is not dependent on our faithfulness. And that is good news. God continues to seek us out despite our shortcomings, despite the many times we break God's heart. 
but he still demands that we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior if we're going to see eternal glory. Because that is the only way to make it to the Father. As we get to the end of this scripture, Paul tells Timothy to remember one more thing as he didn't have enough to remember already. One more thing. Remember to warn the Christians to avoid wrangling over words which do no good, but only ruin those who are listening. If the gospel is to be good news, we cannot use the gospel to beat people over the head with it. If the gospel is good news, we cannot condemn anybody through the gospel. We have to bring them to repentance that they might be forgiven and restored and redeemed. If the gospel is to be good news, we have to bring it in love and grace to others that they might be able to receive Jesus and know him as a personal savior. Paul knew that there were those who would engage in endless debates and that this would lead to legalism and judgment rather than to grace and salvation. Have you ever met somebody that just liked to argue? It didn't matter what it was. I've known a few people like that. Didn't, I mean, if you say up, they say down. If you say left, they say right. I mean, do you get anywhere with people like that by arguing? You really don't. They thrive on that, right? It just adds to the drama, you know, more to talk about. There's a point in which we have to choose rather to argue or to debate to simply give a witness and testimony by the way we live and the way we act. We need to show them Jesus instead of just telling them about Jesus. Paul understood that you're not going to win people over through arguments. He tried it. He went into every synagogue and tried to convince them through reason that Jesus was the Messiah. And you know where it got him? Beat up, kicked out and cast out of town. But when he went to the Gentiles and simply shared the good news and lived with them when all the other Jews rejected them, what happened? They saw Jesus in him. They saw God's love and grace and forgiveness that could reach even them. And they were convicted and they began to accept Jesus and to change. People come to Jesus through our witness and our testimony, through the work of the Holy Spirit, touching their hearts, despite of our words sometimes, and in spite of our best intentions. But we have to be willing to share the good news of the gospel. They need to be willing to... We, we need to be willing to show them who we really are in our struggles. If you pretend to be perfect, you're not going to win anybody to Jesus. They're going to see that right through that. And they're going to call you a fake because they know we all struggle with something. And they know we all go through difficult times. So Paul tells us, this, present yourselves to God as approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Stop trying to please people. 
The only one you need to please is God. The only one whose opinion matters at the end is God. And so if we seek to walk rightly before God by sharing his word with those that don't know it, the scripture says we will be approved by him. Notice that it doesn't say if you are extremely successful and have a mega ministry, you will be approved. It doesn't say if you reach X number of quota of people, you will be approved. It just says for us to be faithful in sharing the word rightly. You see, we're only responsible for the sharing of the gospel. God is responsible for what it does in the heart of those who receive it. And so many times we put that pressure on ourselves, don't we? It's my, it's my responsibility. It's my job to get him to Jesus. Now it's your responsibility to share Jesus. It's his responsibility to touch that heart. Because you can't even do that anyway. You can't touch the heart. But the Holy Spirit can. If we, if we give God our best effort, we will have nothing to be ashamed of at the end of the day. Our best effort. Notice that I didn't even say our best work. Our best effort. Because when we fall short, he makes up the rest. When we can't do it, Jesus does the rest. That verse, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. And we will be approved as workers because we continue to share the word without wavering. We have a gospel that is unchained. Yet we tend to want to keep God on a leash. How do we do that? Well, God, I'm going to let you go this far in transforming my life. I'm going to let you go this far in meddling in my finances. I'm going to let you go this far in my personal relationships with friends. And this is where I draw the line. Just don't mess with that part of my life. And we hold God back. And we keep him at arm's length. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm not going to keep you on a leash. Go bonkers on me. You know what? When I let my dog loose from her leash, she runs that backyard like there's no tomorrow. She runs to every corner of it, and she marks her territory. What would happen if we let God loose in our lives to the point that his Holy Spirit runs through our lives and every aspect of our lives, and God marks his territory with the seal of the Holy Spirit, and our lives are changed. We'd see glory here, now. Because God would be in control. He would be king and Lord of all in our lives. So I'm going to encourage you to take God off the leash. I'm going to encourage you to let him loose. It doesn't mean you won't go through hardships or sufferings. It doesn't mean that you won't go through times of, of difficulty in your life or illness. 
But it means that when you go through those things, like Paul, you will be able to declare victory in Jesus because you know that your life is hidden in him and that his eternal glory is yours. And no one can take that away from you. It is his gift of glory. You've received the fall festival invitation. I challenge you. Put it in the hands of somebody that you think won't come. Put it in the hands of somebody that you think won't respond to it. You will be an approved worker because God can touch their heart even after you say it can't be done. Let God loose. Let him loose and see what happens. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the challenge, Lord, to really believe that your word is unchained, that your spirit can reach places we can't, and that you can do the impossible. Lord, help us to trust you as Lord and Savior of our lives, to see that even in the hardships and the difficulties that we face, we can honor you and glorify you and be approved workers by sharing your word, by giving our best, and by trusting you. Help us, Lord, never to hold back, never to put you on a leash, but to give you free reign in all aspects of our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus the Christ, who not only died, but was raised for our sake. Amen. The altar is open if we want to come up for prayer as we continue worship.